You're listening to Roswell Teen Talk, Episode 4, Pandemic Pandemonium, The Effects of COVID-19 on Students. As the world found out in March 2020, a pandemic is a complicated affair, difficult to navigate for even the most mature of adults. And while the world rightly focused on things like what the COVID-19 virus was, social distancing, flattening the curve, or even dealing with the death of loved ones, the pandemic created a whole new set of stressors for one particular demographic, high schoolers. As many people are well aware, high school is challenging, even at the best of times. But when you toss a global pandemic into the already heavy burden of high school, many students found themselves struggling in ways they never had before. In fact, a statistic provided by the National Alliance on Mental Illness stated that one in five young people reported that the pandemic had a significant negative impact on their mental health. We spoke with high school students in Roswell, Georgia, and here is what they had to say about their own experiences. I have a really hard time keeping relationships if they're strictly online. So um, I lost a lot of friends and I was practically just, my entire world was basically just me, my family and my pets. It definitely was a shift and I definitely got, like the online school was different, but I was able to kind of deal with it. But for some of these other kids, it was detrimental. I was too terrified to go back to school because I was having severe panic attacks in the middle of class. I was too terrified to go back in person when they finally offered that, so I stayed online and I was doing really well for the first few weeks, but eventually I just started staying in bed. During COVID, everything kind of blew up. People started feeling a lot more isolated because they, they didn't get that thing that they were they, that was normalized, which was seeing your friends every day. And because we had a lot more aisle time, I think a lot of us felt a lot more lonely. And then coming out of COVID, some of us forgot how to hold a conversation. We forgot how to engage each other. We forgot how to not be comfortable. We also spoke with several professional therapists who work in the metro Atlanta area. Melissa Bowman and Mary Brashears, who you've heard from in previous episodes, to help provide some context on trends that were being seen in students. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. I have been in my current position with a school-based program for a little over a year and a half. With COVID, we've seen that, um, kind of the, the results of that or the impact of that come up in so many different ways, um, not just in our schools, but um, in various different mental health settings. So we have things like in our school-based program, kids coming in saying, you know, I used to be really social and outgoing. I had a whole group of friends. And now after COVID, I don't have any of the same friends left anymore. I have social anxiety now, even coming into the classroom. I just don't even know where to start. With COVID and the pandemic, teenagers who were already experiencing a level of social anxiety, it gave them a bit of a relief from that anxiety. And while a lot of the teenagers that I talked with did enjoy that period of relief, it made it a bit harder for them to re-engage. And so kids who were able to avoid social situations that created anxiety for them actually allowed that anxiety to grow. And so now they're facing even more anxiety in social situations. We've seen academic uh, performance just kind of plummet. They feel like they're so far behind already that even uh, trying to engage or bring up their grades, that pressure is so great that 
it's just easier for them to, to disengage. So when I say slack a little bit better, it turned into me not doing anything at all. So when I would slack a little bit better, I would just turn in something a little late and then send my teacher a polite email about it. And now I slack efficiently, like I will wait till the last 10 minutes right before my deadline and then do it all again. My biggest challenge is really just like my own work ethic. Cause there's a difference between like holding it off to the last minute. Cause I know I can do it. That's like a bit of my ego. I'm like, well, it's an easy assignment. I can save it for the last 10 minutes. And then my actual drive to even do it in the last 10 minutes has like completely just like gone out the window. Eventually, I just started staying in bed and just ignoring the classes I would like join. So I'd be marked present and then I'd fall asleep. But I would get back in bed. I would be in bed and just sleep. I didn't fail. Technically, I got an incomplete for the classes because that's how they were grading. But um, due to that, I had to take summer school for the first time in my life. And, you know, I was a naturally gifted kid. And so that was a huge, like slap to the face for me. We also reached out to Dr. Ryan Brashears, a clinical health psychologist and Wellstar Health System's chief behavioral health officer, who weighed in on managing internalized thoughts when by yourself. The first important point to make is that sitting with your thoughts doesn't come naturally to any of us. It requires practice. Uh, we have to approach it as a skill uh, that needs to be learned. And that's not going to occur without some intentionality and without some repetition. You know, I had to learn to like be alone with myself. I did not like that. Like I had to sit in my room for some time and just sit there like, mm. Because of that long COVID year where we were just home all the time, I had nothing else to do except think about myself and then like look into myself and like try to deal with things. We have to exercise self-compassion, realize that we're probably not very good at this at baseline, uh, but with repeated effort, uh, with repeated intentionality, and I think even with a more consistent regimen and structure, uh, we can learn to do this and to do it quite well. Routine and structure is important for managing stress, but what happens when both of those are suddenly disrupted by, say, a global pandemic and then you have to try to jump back into the same routine you had before. I just felt like different because I was in middle school and then the high school was a big jump because everyone says high school was hard, but for us, I feel like it was a whole different hard because no one had ever done it before. Like in eighth grade, I was back in school, but we'd have a bunch of random virtual days and there, the work amount was just not the same as it had been previously. So I feel like when I went to freshman year and it was all in school and there was a regular amount of work from pre-COVID, I was just kind of taken back because eighth grade had been so easy. Everyone kind of got lazy. And then it's like school comes back on last year. It's like these kids haven't, we haven't really done much. And now you got to go back to the way it was before. The underlying theme to all of it is, is that it was all unprecedented. It wasn't expected. I don't think anyone really knew what to do or how to handle it. And we were kind of uh, building the plane as we fly it, we like to say, and just kind of figuring it out as we go. And I think a lot of parents are really just struggling to figure out how to support their kids. When we set out to conduct these interviews with high schoolers here in Roswell, we knew the struggles we'd hear about would be varied and the word we've all heard all too often, unprecedented. What surprised us, though, was when we heard that some of the same struggles were being felt by even younger students, as early as elementary. I'm an elementary teacher. Um, we had a lot of tears during COVID. 
a lot of um, kids who were uh, stressed out and afraid. I have one student in one of my classes who was um, excused one day to go get his vaccination and he came back and another student told him that he was going to get sick and probably die now because he got the vaccine and it's you know these are elementary age students so I wonder how comments like that are affecting their mental health and what they think of the decisions that their parents make for their health and what their friends think. One thing that came up with um an elementary school teacher um, that I work closely with is for her, you know, having, trying to tell a five-year-old that they can't come and hug you when they do come back to school and they haven't had that interaction for a year. The pandemic really impacted what that looks like for people and what we think of um, connectedness. It really comes up in so many different ways. Connectedness, social life, community, Many of these crucial ingredients to a successful high school experience were unceremoniously stripped from the lives of students due to COVID-19. But even with the pronounced consequences of this external force, the biggest struggle, and one that we heard time and time again throughout our interviews with Roswell students, was the sudden and intense internal battles. For people who are depressed and are like, like me or who are from a good, well-off family, and they're like depressed and they're feeling sad all the time. And they're like, I, I don't have any reason to feel sad. That it just, there's no justification for feeling depressed at that point. And it's like, then why, why am I feeling this way if, I'm, if nothing bad is happening in my life? For some students, this internal turmoil reached a breaking point. According to the National Alliance of Mental Illness, in 2020, 3 million U.S. adolescents aged 12 to 17 years old reported serious thoughts of suicide, and there was a reported 31% increase in mental health-related emergency room visits for this age group. In a 2021 survey conducted by the Georgia Department of Behavioral Health and Developmental Disabilities in Region 3, which includes Fulton County, 16% of youth reported considering self-harm, 12% considered suicide, and 6% attempted suicide. These figures haven't changed since the 2020 survey. These thoughts are anxiety-producing for the youth who are experiencing them and for the adults who are close to them. Often, there's a lack of clarity of how to support a teenager in the midst of such internal crisis. But there are best practices to help a child manage suicidal thoughts effectively. I think the first thing we want to do if a, if a child is reporting suicidal thoughts is to take it seriously. Uh, these thoughts are originating from some place and we need to be careful not to be dismissive. And so listening is, is important. So when they bring something up, first of all, I think it's a great indicator that you must have a good relationship with your child or your student if they're willing to let you know that. So capitalize on that and ask questions. One thing to know about a kid experiencing suicidal thoughts is that you're not going to harm them by asking them about their thoughts. Just make yourself available in conversation with them and ask direct questions. How often do you feel this way? Can you tell me about these thoughts? Have you ever acted on any of these thoughts? 
if the child is processing this with the parent, that is the best case scenario because that lets the parent know the child trusts them. It lets the child know the parent doesn't panic and that the parent is with them and then they can figure out what to do next. I think we want to just approach uh, really with an open posture uh, and seek to understand. And then certainly because it is such an emotionally charged topic for a parent to interact with their child around, it can be very helpful to get a counselor involved so that the child has someone else to talk to who's not going to be as emotionally disrupted by the conversation. These guidelines provided by our subject matter experts align with the research. Suicide is often a byproduct of a sense of failed belongingness or loss of connection. When a child opens up and is met with a non-judgmental response, this has the potential to foster the connection that a suicidal youth desperately needs. It must also be noted that, even against the backdrop of these struggles, the vast majority of students showed remarkable resiliency. While COVID-19 certainly manifested challenges, some students used this time to adopt a healthy change of perspective. So there was a lot of personal adjustments and having to accept that things weren't going to be the same. And that was disappointing and a little bit saddening, but at the same time, I think it, it helped me gain a new perspective. Anything can change at any moment. So just to be prepared for those things and to move through them. This has been episode four of Roswell Teen Talk, brought to you by the Wellstar Behavioral Health Service Line and sponsored by the Roswell Rotary Club. Be sure to listen to our other episodes, and please show your support of this content by subscribing and rating on whatever platform you're listening. And perhaps you could even consider sharing this podcast on whatever social media platform you use. And lastly, if you or someone you know is struggling or in crisis, help is available 24-7 if you call or text 988. Or you can live chat with a professional counselor by visiting 988lifeline.org. Stay safe and stay well.